The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to Sister Speak. You're joined today with me, Lamisa. I'm you, Mariam. Me, Sonia. Me, Farin. Yes, and today our main topic is going to be surrounding youth political engagement. So it's quite a big topic. Um, but yeah, before we get into all of that, does someone want to say what our show is about? Okay, so our show is a platform for Muslim girls to voice their opinions on current events and issues and even form discussions on general topics such as religion, culture and politics and identity. We want to note that all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other opposing views. Thank you. Um, just to let you guys know, this is a pre-recorded show. Um, so we would say text or WhatsApp in, um, but you can always direct message us if you do want to let us know your thoughts. We'd be happy to hear them. Um, so yeah, we also ha- currently have a recruitment drive. So if you are looking to, or you want to talk on radio, um, hit us up <laughs> at Sisters Week, give us a DM. Um, and we'd love to, you know, do an interview with you and, and you can join Sisters Week and be talking on Wednesdays at 6pm. So yeah, it's that easy. Just drop us a message. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to you. Um, okay. So I guess that's everything for now. We're going to move straight into our thoughts for the week. So, um, yeah, who wants to go first? Put Sonia first. I just knew I could feel it coming. But um, I was actually saying this to Fareen on the journey here. Like, I feel like my thoughts are so scrambled this week. Um, I can't even form one coherent <laughs> thought. Um, but that's partly because of obviously busyness and so on. Um, and I was speaking to my sister about this yesterday. And um, she kind of just said, just take a moment for yourself. I know we say this all the time on radio as well, but it's all right me giving out the advice and my thought, but I don't do it myself. So she said, just like tidy your room, you know, do nice things, light a candle in your room. And it's good that she said it because I actually had a lamp, like a room lamp thing, and uh, I didn't have a bulb. And I've been shopping so many times and I just don't buy it because I'm not thinking about myself or my bedroom. And then she was like, why don't you just buy yourself a bulb and then you have a lamp in your room? Like, yeah, little things like this, you know, small, small, tiny things that you can do for yourself just to improve, you know, your sleep or your, just your living space and so on. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought of the week. Kind of just do tiny, tiny things just to make your day a little bit better or your night a little bit better. But, yeah, just make some time and think about yourself. We love that. Thank you for that. It's okay. It's tips that we could all take. <laughs> Farine, do you want to go next? Um, I was thinking about the other show that we did about tos- to- toxic friendships. And I was just thinking about it and how it's like you have to work through a friendship to, you know, achieve a good relationship. It's not like you're going to, you're obviously going to, you know, argue with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking about that with my friends and with how, like, how many times I argue with my friends, but we're still, you know, close and stuff. So, yeah. Lovely. Um, Mariam, what's your thought for the week? I think mine's on bouncing off Sonia's actually. And I, um, I mean, I don't know if everyone needs to know this, I hoovered my room very nicely yesterday. So. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt so good. It actually felt so good. Like, I hoover it anyways, obviously, as often. Um, but I think my thought of the week is about stacking habits. Um, I think in a lot of the times we find it difficult to schedule a new habit into our lives. But I think when you stack it with something that you already do, it makes it very more... It makes it a lot easier. And I was quite inspired by Sonia's thought of the week last radio show about exercising. So I started, I'm trying to uh, do exercise. But at the same time, because I know the routine of the exercise, I listen to a Islamic talk at the same time. So then that way I'm listening to something that's quite productive. But at the same time, I'm exercising. And yeah. I don't need to hear someone screaming at me. <laughs> so that multitask. It's yeah, multitasking. Okay. So I feel like I'm gaining knowledge and I actually like listening to um, certain speakers. And that way I enjoy, like I enjoy exercising because I feel like I'm listening to something that I'm actually intrigued about. And, I'm get, and I forget that I'm in pain or whatever, like trying to push myself <laughs> <laughs> to push myself to exercise, not pain, but to push myself and exercise. So I think my kind of thought of the week is just stack habits together put something that's more desirable with something that's not very desirable that's a great piece of advice something that i might start doing um, so yeah thank you for that um my thought for the week my thought for the week kind of goes off our show last week around reflections and new beginnings type of thing i think i'm definitely trying to be a bit more open with like less hard on myself um that's one thing i'm trying and yesterday was it yesterday or the day before i attended a talk on mindfulness um, and I know people talk a lot about mindfulness, but this one was actually really good because the, the speaker kind of made us do 
mindfulness, like the exercise. Nice. And doing it in that session, I was like, whoa, I actually see why people do this now because it's really good at just clearing your thoughts, um, removing all the excess stuff that's going on in your head, feeling yourself like thinking about what's going on in the moment. I think you need to show some of us. <laughs> I think I'll share it later on after the show, but yeah, just being present in the moment is so good at removing all the excess stresses that you might be thinking of. Um, so you have, if you have the ability to practice mindfulness during the day, I think it'd be really good to, you know, clear clear your thoughts and give yourself a bit of space and to have a go. I feel like prayer is like a method of mindfulness. Prayer definitely is. Um, yeah, prayer is one way. There's so many different ways you can do it. I feel like that one is just kind of letting yourself sit with no thoughts whatsoever mm-hmm. and just have a timeout. You know, when things are too stressful. But different people practice mindfulness in different ways, yeah. and prayer is one of the ways that I know. I definitely use prayer as well in my day to kind of reset myself. Um, and I guess Islamically as well, it's our way of getting rid of our stresses and talking to to God in that way. Um, so yeah, multiple different ways. If you can practice mindfulness, I think it's really good. And scientifically, it's good for your brain. It, it changes your the way your brain um, is kind of its shape. It reduces the amygdala, all of that type of stuff, which Lisa, is your fear I center. I think you should literally <laughs> say that whole sentence again. Because <laughs> what, it does, what it does is um, brain plasticity is a thing. So the way your brain, it can change shape over time. Um, and the amygdala is the center of fear, kind of controls fear inside your brain. If you practice mindfulness, whether that be through prayer or, or any other means, so mindfulness in the way of you just calming yourself down and, and sitting in the moment, these types of things are shown to, this is what the speaker said, um, who is a doctor as well. Um, this is, these types of things have been shown to kind of shrink your amygdala over time. And that obviously reduces your stress and your fear response. Um, and so it's really good. That's amazing. Yeah. What a fun fact. Fun little fact for you guys, scientific fact. So yeah, if you have the ability to take out five or 10 minutes in your day. Um, it's really good. Thank you. So, yeah. All right. I guess that summarizes our thoughts for the week this week. We're now going to be moving on to our hot topic, which, um, is surrounding health inequality around the world. That's kind of the broad, sorry, title. Um, but where it comes from is I saw a case, uh, reported by the BBC today, um, in the Gambia where apparently 66 children have been thought to have died after the use of a cough syrup Um, and the WHO is stating that the syrup is potentially linked with acute kidney injuries and this is why the children are unfortunately passing away. Of course this has caused um, a lot of outcries from the families that have been affected Um, and I guess it just raises an issue of health inequality around the world. We see how large the disparity really is because in this country um, it's a lot more unlikely that something like this should happen. Um, we have kind of regulatory bodies in place, um, whereas in countries where they don't have as many resources, those regulatory bodies might not be in place to to carry out the appropriate checks, or they may not have the funding to carry out the appropriate checks. Um, so I guess I just want to ask you guys two basic questions. Firstly, what do you think about this? I know it's a really sad situation. Um, but also secondly, ethically speaking, do you guys think that we we as in you know nations which have a lot more resources and also intergovernmental organizations um which also have the resources do you think they have the responsibility to ensure the safety of pharmaceutical products that go out um to countries where perhaps they might not have the capacity to ensure that safety um well i think with the ethically question if we have that responsibility like our country for example and our governments i think a hundred percent yes um, because a lot of um, guidelines and restrictions and so many things we do in other countries anyway that are less, I would quotation mark, developed than us, quotation mark. Um, so like it's like you, we can do all of that stuff when it benefits us and when we want to, when we feel like it, we're very, very involved in other countries. Okay. Um, so when it comes to medicine, we should still have that same involvement. Like we shouldn't be able to pick and choose mm-hmm. when we want to provide guidelines and infrastructure, not infrastructure, but you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, guidance almost. So um, something um, like medicine, I think, is just such a huge, important thing. So mm. in terms of like how many um, procedures we have to, uh, medicine has to go through to get approved, for example, yeah. and like nonstop testing and approval and peer reviews and whatever else is yeah. needed. That should just be the same everywhere. I mean, I know what you mentioned, that some countries or governments might not have the money to back that and fund it. 
but maybe there should be a responsibility of okay if it's not been properly checked then it can't be released what do you say to people who might argue that we don't have enough money for our own NHS so why would we then go on and try and legislate other countries I would say that do we have enough money for NHS or is it the money that's not being distributed fairly that's my response interesting thank you Mario exactly elaborate a bit on that yeah so I think you know we we seem to have money for things that are not um, directed for public services but suddenly when something crops up there seems to be a unlimited amount of money to pay for things suddenly and I think that it's just the priorities of the country yeah. if the priorities were the public services then we would see that money and if, we, if our priorities were to have a um, ethical responsibility to other countries then we'd see that money I just think that it is all about how the country kind of governs itself and how they see themselves as a leading country where business is obviously the forefront, but actually I think the ethical responsibility should be something as, as equal as the business kind of gen, uh, generating business profits. Mm, I think I carrying on from what Marion <clears throat> said as well, it's like if, you're, if we're not benefiting and guiding and helping other countries, as we say, we almost put ourselves in that position, like you said, like a leading country and so on. Okay, so where is it? Where's the benefit? Then you think, okay, it must be on its own people. I don't feel that way. Like we all we live in this country, we live in the UK. I don't feel like, okay, we're being selfish to help ourselves. It doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't feel like anyone's getting helped. And I think that's a whole other topic. We can talk about how we as a country don't, no one's really taking pride, this is my opinion, mm. in the country basically like who's happy about it outsiders insiders no one mm. um so what's the point really yeah i mean on the point of um health inequalities around the world i do feel like you know there's a large disparity which is almost caused by us um if i can say that large businesses don't take on responsibilities for ensuring that countries can get medications and access to pharmaceuticals for example at a low enough price that's one thing that they also don't do um in terms of regulatory checks regulatory checks and bodies should be in place around the world i think that's one thing that should be done and to ensure that those regulatory bodies are regulated themselves mm -hmm. i think that's the big thing so countries may have regulatory bodies in place but they might just be shells of organizations for example there might not be any other um, kind of auditing system or yeah. any way to keep them in check to ensure that they're doing their job so i think that's a really important thing as well um but coming on to the topic of kind of our country so you guys touched on it there's health inequalities that occur in the UK as well. Um, I guess my question is, how are we going to, what do you guys think about the health inequalities in the UK? And what is one way that we could perhaps combat it? I think I just want to share my thoughts on how I feel about it. Um, I, think, I think that there is a lot of health inequalities in the UK. And I think a lot of people are demonised, especially if they're on benefits or if they can't afford to attend appointments. For example, if they come from a uh, low socioeconomic background or if they come from a um, deprived area, then that access to that hospital will be a lot farer than people who live in a centre where there's multiple um, access to hospitals and doctors. And so if someone has a, um, you know, they don't have enough funding or they, their budget, their household budget is very low, mm -hmm. then you have to think about the cost of even attending appointment and you see, um, you know, hospital appointments, they say that there's a certain amount that is lost if you miss an appointment. But actually, no one really talks about the ability to actually afford to go to these hospitals because you're paying to get there and you're paying to get back. And that could cost quite a lot for a lot of people. Um, and so therefore, people may have missed appointments just because they need food on the table because they can't access their health care. And so then it's a vicious cycle. So I feel like it's really important to talk about the inequalities in terms of funding in people to access health hospital and i see that you know it's a kind of um broader kind of problem because there's not enough enough funding even in the nhs itself but then again i would go back to my point i don't think it's the fact that we don't have the wealth i think it's just the distribution the distribution is not equal i see does anyone else have anything to add to that i think health is such a basic thing for everyone and it should be like the government's first priority to ensure that everyone's healthy and that everyone has what they need what they need mm -hmm. to be you know safe and not have any problems with their health so i think it should be the government's like first priority it doesn't matter where you're from how much money you have you should be allowed health 
regardless yeah. Yeah. and it is it's showing people have done studies i don't have said studies at hand at the moment <laughs> um but you know there is a large disparity in access to healthcare. Um, also the way that people are treated yeah, as definitely. well. I think we've seen that as through the pandemic as well. I was uh, going to ask, um, if I can, Parin, have you seen a difference between healthcare in the UK and healthcare in Spain? I haven't. I think Spain is, um, healthcare in Spain in the UK is free for both of us, but I, don't, I haven't seen any difference. I think it's the same. Interesting. Okay. Sonia, how do you think we might be able to combat um, health inequalities in the UK, for example? I think we can't right now, which sounds so pessimistic oh, and horrible. Really? Why do you say that? Um, because there's too, it's like we're too far gone down the wrong route. Um, mm. But we should be able to reverse that, hopefully, and make changes. But if you're talking about right now, I think we just have such a long way to go. Mm. Um, and the whole mindset of a lot of people in this country needs to change that we're shifting towards a different mindset anyway. So things like inequality is in health and so on probably just get larger, but that sounds very negative. So <laughs> hopefully change can soon come. I, I think how. I disagree. <laughs> go on, man. I think that if uh, governments and institutions can do U-turns on tax cuts, I'm sure they can do U-turns on the budgets on healthcare and they can raise the budgets for healthcare. Well, I hope they do, but I feel like no one really fights for that. No one really fights mm. for anything. I think no one fights for it, but I think... It's possible, and I think it's again, it's about priorities. So, yeah, I think you know, that's why we have you know, uh, trade unions, and that's why we have that enough is enough campaign because I think people are trying to lobby against something that's really deeply affecting us. And I think people are now just choosing people who are working in um, the healthcare system have two jobs, they thought yeah. this would be a uh, you know, a viable job for them, they will be able to put food on the table, but they can't afford. They're working full time and they don't have, they can't, they have to choose between food and heating. Mm. That's ludicrous. I don't think that should be the case. So I think that's, I think that's why now that momentum has happened. And I genuinely think it's about setting the priorities straight. And I think it's about, uh, I know the whole topic of the show is about youth political engagement. I think it's now the onus on us to make sure that our voices are getting heard and we're lobbying towards a country that we're, a country that we want to live in and, and the vision of the country should be aligned on how we want to kind of go through it. So. 100%. I, I, she said some very powerful Amazing. stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something, a sentiment that we all kind of uh, resonate with. I also think that um, we are so lucky to have a national health service it's unbelievable how amazing that service is that we can all get free healthcare at the point of need. However, we need to think about what would happen if that was taken away. If we got changed to a system where we have privatized healthcare, when I think about it, kind of let's say logically the inequalities that are in place affect at the moment with a national health service in place affect those from low socioeconomic backgrounds but also minorities as well if we have privatized healthcare, the people that are going to be affected will stay the same and even more so and i feel like it will massively increase the disparity between the rich and the poor mm-hmm. um and we are the ones who us from people from ethnic minorities who often don't have a lot of money anyway how are they going to be able to afford private healthcare? It's it's a crazy idea. And so I think it's so important for us to preserve what we do have in place. And like Mario said, really rally for ensuring that the NHS is a priority. Um, and I know everyone says it, but we need to see kind of action put in place. Um, in terms of making healthcare more accessible, I think there are kind of more simple things that can be done to reduce the inequality. I think a, a lot of inequalities come from the fact that um, language is a huge barrier and people often do not understand sometimes what what is going on with their healthcare, um, whether that be you speak English but you don't understand the medical jargon as well. Um, I think putting out uh, information in people's languages. The UK is such a diverse country. I don't think we should be against kind of ensuring that we have leaflets in a few different languages or ensuring that letters are sent out to people in a language that they can understand. Um, These are like small things that can be done to increase their access to healthcare. Mariam was also talking about transport and the fact that people find it difficult to come in. Um, And the thing with public transport as well is it may not be a patient's fault that they are late to an appointment public transport could be late and therefore they end up being late they miss the appointment then they have to book another appointment that affects the nhs that affects them as well because they're having to pay again to come in so things like this when marion's saying you know if you can subsidize you know um, 
for those who are maybe under a certain income bracket, um, their transport into hospital, that would be super helpful. You know, it just kind of takes off the financial burden, especially in a time where financial difficulties are so... Yeah, I just prevalent. wanted to add because um, quite interestingly, people are going to say, well, where are they going to get that money from if they're going to subsidise? But just to let you know, if your taxpayers' money subsidises MPs' um, lunch, so for every £10 an MP spends on lunch, the public contributes £7.60, and that's according to The Guardian. So if, you know, I just want to see what's the priority. Is it MPs' lunches or the public services? And I think people really need to kind of find out where their money is going, where their tax is going to, and who actually deserves it. It should be the most vulnerable in this in, in our community. It shouldn't be the people at the top that, you know, can afford to pay for their lunches, not the people that have to choose between going to a healthcare appointment or food on the table. Mm. You're very strongly about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a very interesting uh, standpoint. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, I guess that brings us to the end of the first topic, um, or the hot topic, sorry. And um, we may as well now quickly move on to our main topic, which follows on quite nicely. It's about youth political engagement. Um, I guess, firstly, just very broadly, I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think of youth political engagement? What does it mean? Um, I, it, like a, just a general sense, just a general sense the, term, yeah. Yeah, the word youth political engagement, I would say young people age, even, I'm going to say even 13, like high school age, um, being interested in politics, knowing about politics and just taking some kind of action as well. Like um, I can give myself as an example. Mm-hmm. When I was really, really young, um, I like I'm saying like 10 years old or something, we used to get leaflets through the door, obviously, about like any political campaign and uh, parties, all types of parties. And I used to be so, so interested mm. and read up on it and a, a lot. And the thing is, when I went to school, I found that a lot of people were. And we used to all talk about it in class. Our teachers used to encourage us really? to talk about it. Well. Yeah. Mm. It was really, really, really nice. Mm. And that was when I was really young. And as I grew older, it actually disappeared a little bit, mm. which makes no sense because you should be more interested mm. because it affects you. Um, but yeah, in general, youth political engagement, I think it's just about young people, um, let's say under the age of 25, which I am. So 25 and under just being interested in politics. Mm. Would you agree with that definition? Right? Um, I would say, um, I don't know if I agree or disagree, but I would just say it's about mobilising young people to uh, get their voice heard about certain campaigns, certain policies and just talk about or lobby towards something that they feel very strongly about. Mm, okay. Um, so I know, Sonia, you said that from a young age you have been introduced to politics um, and you were kind of interested in that fizzled out. Mariam, at a young age, were you kind of interested in politics at all? Um, I guess more broadly in the news. So I was quite, a, I, I used to be really interested in news round. I don't know if you guys know what news round is. Yes, <laughs> I used to love used that. To watch yeah, so I, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even something that was discussed in my home city. It was just my interest. Mm-hmm. So I used to literally wake up extra early just to watch news round in the morning. And then, I'd, and, the, yeah, and then when I used to come back from school, I, I wanted to watch news round again. So I used to watch news round like twice a day, every single day. And that was kind of my segue into like news and understanding what's happening in like a, around the world um and i think it, it has never left i think i just something that i've always been so keen to know what's happening okay um with sonia i just want to ask you why do you think it fizzled out and if you're interested in politics now what, yeah what can you turn towards that um so i think as i grew older like say the 16th so still a level age it became interesting again because there was a lot happening in this country mm-hmm. and actually one of my first ever votes that i was able to do so aged 18 um was while i was still at school because i was 18 in school and also it was a huge one like it was one of those that affected the rest of the uk if that makes sense it was um it was brexit so anyway um so that was a huge thing so then it was there then, um, as you said, why it fizzled out, I think it's because it sounds a bit, um, I don't know what the word is, but you know when you're playing a game and you're losing? Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. That's literally how I, and you know when you're losing and you're not interested in playing the game anymore, I don't enjoy this game. That's how it felt for me. Everything seemed to be going the wrong way. And I just didn't, I was like, I don't want to be involved anymore. It's not working. What's the point? Sounds very sad, actually. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what happened. Ironically... 
we don't want to be involved anymore, but we are We should be more involved more than ever. Whether we like it or not. Oh, yeah, true. We are affected um, by... Because we live in this country. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because when I was 18 and the big vote was happening... Yeah. And I was still in college at the time, so everyone around me was talking about it. Mm. And we actually were going to start like a, almost like a petition in college mm. to say that everyone should be taught this basic stuff. Mm. We said that it should be mandatory to learn this, mm. whether it be economics, that, that subject is quite involved, or just politics as a whole. But it should be taught in school okay. because you can't be 18 doing your first vote, which for me, like I said, was a huge vote yeah. and have no idea what it means or what anything any of these words like jargon means so yeah that's something i do think we are involved and should know what we're talking about that is very very true um it, hopefully we'll touch a bit more about that on the second half we are coming uh to an end on the half of our show um just very quickly before we end uh, i want to do i do want to say that um, we are recruiting so to speak are recruiting for presenters so if you want to get involved um with the show just email us or dm us on Sisters speak on Instagram, but we'll see you after the break. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. <laughs> Um, so before the break, we were discussing health inequalities along with youth political engagement, which is our main topic. Um, and we're just going to be continuing the discussion now. Um, so yeah, this is a pre-recorded show, by the way, so apologies that you can't send us uh, your thoughts. But we do love to hear them, so if you want to DM us on Instagram, please let us know what you think about this topic. Um, so yeah, let's go from where we left off. Sonia, you were talking about the fact that... Um, kind of politics and an introduction to politics perhaps or government and the way our country is yeah should happen from an early age perhaps in schools would you like to elaborate a bit more on that yeah so as I mentioned when I was 18 still in school in education um I made one of the biggest I voted for one of the biggest things in the UK that's ever happened and it will go down in history Mm -hmm. and I had to make that vote just with the education I had thus far which was nothing on politics. So obviously I read up on it myself as you should before you make placing a vote and so on. But I really strongly, strongly felt, and so many of my peers felt that as well, we should have been taught in school because how can you not be taught about something that will directly affect you every single day of living in this country? Like we're taught about, well, we're not taught about, but hopefully you learn how to use money, how to, what literally, well, you do learn one pound, two pound, two, like you learn what money is, the concept of it, how to use it, right? That affects you every day. You use it nearly every day. Um, everything like... Um, NHS, for example, as we mentioned, yeah. you kind of go to maybe you go to the doctors and so on. Like these little things, you know, you'd learn. Why do we not learn about politics? We are literally the people. It's a democracy. It's not just something you live in. It's something you have to actively participate in, whether or not you want to. You have to, or it will what affect you. It depends on our choices. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing is is that do you think it could open up a slippery slope to perhaps? propaganda because schools are based on a national curriculum which is overseen by the government that's ruling at the time if we do teach about politics in school because at the moment the onus is very much on yourself it's an interesting you information is freely available and you have to look it up right and you're saying obviously you didn't have enough exposure to it and so you, you didn't know what to do when a big yeah. election was around but if schools do then start teaching about politics could it not open up the door for I mean, I think that there's two ways of looking at that. Um, you're definitely right. There is the, the risk of bias and propaganda. Um, but the two things I would say is, number one, I feel like that will happen in school. That happens in school in, in different aspects and fields anyway. It, it can happen. Is that risk in any subject? I do really believe that, especially humanities type subjects, history happens. Okay. Uh, but we learn about religious education and that's very something that's you yourself an individual thing but you still learn mm-hmm. and are aware of other religious parties Definitely. which you have to be you should be yeah um because then you're ignorant if you don't right so i think but also like i said the, the other thing is that it's too important to not t- 
be taught this in school okay. um, and schools then, then they need to find an impartial way of teaching and I don't think that's that hard at all actually just mm. at least be aware of how politics works what the parliament is yeah. and what different parties are so. so more from a general standpoint and an informative standpoint of this is the system that's in place in our country I mean I'm sorry I know Mary I'm just no. saying my point but like we used to do citizenship Mm-hmm. And that used to be mandatory as well for like half a year or something and then just slipped away. So it used to be like, oh, we and citizenship, that's the way it used to work. But really that, first of all, it didn't, it wasn't mandatory anymore. It just disappeared that mm-hmm. as a whole subject in my school. And secondly, when we used to talk about citizenship, it was very much about morals and ethics in my school. Okay. Um, so the, yeah, I don't really know what it was really teaching us. And I thought if you can teach us that, mm-hmm. how you think we should morally behave in society, then you can teach us about politics as well. Okay. Yeah. And just adding to that point, um, that if politics is a optional subject that you can do anyways, if the infrastructure is already there to mm. teach and the curriculum is already there, then why not just standardise it? That's my kind of opinion. Mm, and maybe introduce it from a younger age. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. Do you, is there a politics GCSE? Because I know there's a politics A-level that we were allowed to take in. Singapore. I'm not entirely sure. I but know. I don't know about GCSE, but I think you guys are right. Maybe from year eight onwards, just giving standardised classes. And they yeah. can be short. You know, um, PSHE is during tutorial times. You could also have somewhat politics lesson during, like a small... That also disappeared in my school. Yeah, also, I, I don't think we had a lot of... Also, you can use the premise of student representatives because that's democratic. You have yeah. to elect a student rep. And so you can use that as a premise to kind of discuss how does democracy function and how does that impact in terms of a border level in the country that you live in. Mm. So there is creative ways of you know introducing politics to young people's life is just even just using the structures within the school. Um, I just think people need to be, see it as an importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't be. Um, what's the word? I feel like ignorant, but also to have no education. Complacent. On it. Yeah. yeah, to have no education on it at all is very puts us in such a bad position almost because now you're entering the world having to make these decisions, make these votes, and also having no idea who's in power, what's yeah. going on in power. If you've never ever taken an interest in politics by yourself, you will have no idea what's happening. You wouldn't. And I think a large source for a lot of kids and young people is their parents in terms of um, introducing them to politics and I think I can't say that that's always a good thing because obviously we all have different views and things like that Um, but for people to just blindly follow their parents and what they say on uh, such a big um, topic such as politics and something that affects us all um, they may have different values to what you will then end up being in or your situation your situation isn't always going to mirror the situation of your parents does that make sense yeah um and it's really important that children and young people get a wider perspective of the issues that are in place in their country because there is a, a small percentage of the population who don't have the same issues as the rest of the population um and these people are you know obviously accustomed to what their situation is they want what's best for them and that makes sense but actually what's best for them may not be what's best for the country as a whole yeah or may not be what's best for the majority um and i feel like it's about understanding and seeing and widening their perspective to see the problems that other people might face to then be like actually what's best for the country is maybe doing this you know but we can't make that decision without information so i feel like you need that to make an informed decision and informed vote and you need the education so yeah. i do feel really strongly about that yeah. maybe you've dragged me back into politics <laughs> just on the show yeah i mean i i've been feeling it recently too i think i've had an interest in politics from quite a young age but unfortunately as i've grown older especially since i've left i think sick form and, and then now i have university and other things to focus on i haven't been as engaged as i used to be um why do you think that, you know, it's easy for young people to fall out of interest with politics? Why do you think our engagement is so low? Just to give you a few figures, um, in the 2019 election, only about around 52%, this is from the British electionstudy.com, this is where the figure is from, around 52% of um, people aged 18 to 24 voted. Why do you think that is? Whereas people who are aged 75 plus, their, their stats are a lot higher. It's like 85%. I think what it's got to do with the fact that 
they didn't know how to make informed choices because they didn't have access to information. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that you don't see tangible results and that's what people don't feel like engaging with politics because they're not going to see any outcome of it or they just see that it seems to always sway for the majority. It doesn't really uh, go the way that they kind of anticipated. Mm -hmm. um, and I, th I think the other thing as well to mention is that from if you're coming from a disadvantaged community or from a low socioeconomic background, you probably don't, can't afford to spend, engage with politics and have the time to understand how, how these uh, policies are going to inform you or even go to these circles mm -hmm. to educate yourself because your priority is just survival. And I think that's really important to, to discuss because yeah. there is inequalities in terms of um, accessing, accessing politics is the fact that could you afford that time or the money to even be involved in yeah. it? And I think that's what leads to the fact that a lot of people who are in government and who are making decisions for the rest of society Absolutely. don't represent mm, yeah. the normal population. I think it's almost a luxury to kind of be interested in politics and give a lot of time towards politics. Um, it is a luxury because like you said, a lot, we, a lot of people have to focus on survival, uh, education, providing for your family. You don't have time to read up and, you know, rally and campaign and so on. There's just no time to do that. Mm. So that's a very good point because then it just reflects as the higher up you go, you start to lose all these people, the higher up you go, people that represent us, for example, in wow. my opinion. Wow. <laughs> I think that's, that's such an eye-opening point, though, because it's not talked about at all really and you're right people are focused on surviving they don't have time to engage with politics um what would you say what are some things that people might be able to do young people especially um to stay aware of the political landscape because at the end of the day as much as we say we you know we don't have time etc and a lot of people don't um a lot of people do become disillusioned with the fact that okay the decisions aren't going in the way that i voted for them to go Unfortunately, that is democracy. The, the majority of people, you know, their, yeah. their thing is going to go through. But at the end of the day, you have the ability to kind of rally for what you want. It is there. It's hard to do, but it is there, that opportunity to do so. Um, what would you say? Obviously, we're affected by all of the decisions that are run in the country. Um, how would you say we can keep in touch with what's going on in current times? What are some, some ways that maybe you do, Maria, maybe you do, Sonia, to try and stay i think just for a broader kind of sense is especially for young people if you're already using social media um then just use that as a way to kind of inform yourself even i get a lot of my information from twitter um and i obviously fact checked it and all of that but a lot of discussions happen there and it's quite easy to access and it's quite easy for you to understand the jargons are not that difficult um they speak in quite good colloquial language so you can understand what's going on so just use the kind of resources that you already have or are already using in a way to inform yourself because it is going to affect your kind of, you know, the trajectory that you're going to live in in the future. Um, personally, for me, I think for, um, I like to, to be more physically engaged in kind of activism. And even when I went to university, uh, the first kind of political kind of engagement, I was a student rep. Um, and then I started to work in the students' union and I ran in elections um, and then beyond that, uh, I started to do something more on a broader scale in terms of the European context. So I think it's just finding out your interests. And that's not to say politics is going to be for everyone. Not everyone's going to have, um, you know, that passion or that drive. Mm -hmm. But I think it's I think everyone should take the onus on themselves to just at least inform themselves so mm -hmm. that when they're making decisions, it is going to impact the wider community and have that sense of responsibility for the wider community. It's not an individualistic choice. Politics is should be for everyone and you have to think in a holistic way. And also just to get your voice heard, especially if you feel like, you know, things and your ideas, things that you have that you, you think would be good if they were implemented. For you to be able to, you know, get that done and put in place, you need to put in your vote, you need to put in your say. Um, and political engagement is just one way of doing that. Um, so you said social media, Marion, is a good way of staying in touch. Um, Sonia, what about you? Um, I think Marion made a good point anyway, but I think um, there's some good facts out there. It's just a thing about finding the factual information and also dictate things with a pinch of salt as well for social media. Um, but other ways of staying in political landscape, I think if you're at a university, for example, or any kind of group, um, speak to the people around you, see how they feel. Like, even if people have different political views from you, which often they will, mm. I think you can learn a lot from that. Mm. Um, 
try not to make it about the person I would say because often you do because it reflects it's just straight away you think oh if you believe that you must be like this but um, just think about the view where it's come from and so on and try to research that but just try and talk about politics I would say but if you are again take things with a pinch of salt and do your own research afterwards and don't let it get too deep as you'd say. Why do you think discussions about politics in kind of professional settings are ostracized because I think you're right it's a good way to understand other people's points of views and and get you a bit more interested but there is a stigma around discussing politics i think it's because people are attributed to their opinions and so if you're if you're assigning yourself to one political party automatically um you're kind of attributed to that stance um but i think one thing i should mention as well is that as young people you're going to be evolving as well in terms of your gaining your knowledge and so i think that should be something clear for yourself that it's okay to make mistakes in terms of understanding what politics is because it's so broad and it's so in depth um you know you might have a political opinion but later on you might when you're discussing to someone do with someone you might realize actually i don't assign to that and that's okay you can there's movement you don't have to specifically rigidly stay in one position in terms of your stance or or ascribe to a certain notion um and in terms of your question in terms of why it's ostracized in um workplaces is again because you you kind of frame that person to have that view and so if you disagree with that view you automatically kind of yeah. uh attribute to that person to that political view and anything they say is rendered because you don't agree with them mm-hmm. so i think it's healthy to have discussions and just to just has sonia said to unpack okay where is this coming from where is their stance coming from um and that actually allows you to have a more robust conversation because what you're really trying to do is think about okay they have this opinion because it derives from this and i have my opinion and it derives from this and let's have a discussion um you know in a conducive way because i'm going to understand your perspective for for what really what it is and you're going to share your point as well and then that way you kind of humanize it i think we a lot of the times we just don't realize that the other person we're talking to is a human being and they have their background and their experiences and the same way you want to be respected in that sense as well Yeah and exactly echoing what Mariam said as well is is like you have to take their political view and your political view just as what it is and not a whole reflection on the person which is so hard to do and that's why like you said it's ostracized in the workplace yeah. and um it's funny because I actually met someone in a workplace who had let's say an opposing political view and I'm not even joking like from that day on I just never saw them the same way again I was just like I cannot believe that it changed and we got along so well we were like best friends in the workplace literally everyone would say oh your buddy like you know you guys feel lost without each other like we were besties and then I found out that piece of information and they were saying stuff about the political party that I felt like I supported that I was just in shock like like it changed everything but it shouldn't change everything like if we can respect each other's religions and faiths and get along like we don't feel the need to always fight for our you know we think that's your faith and this is mine yeah. why can't we feel the same about politics mm-hmm. maybe because it affects my freedom that's how we feel sometimes like okay. your beliefs are affecting directly. me directly and this is what you wish for but we just have to find a way to think okay no that's fine like my mom said they've lived their lives and they've come to that conclusion and i've lived mine and this is why i've come to my conclusion mm-hmm. it's very hard to do and i think that's why in some ways if you don't think you're ready to hear the opposing like answer or something then don't talk about it in the workplace it might ruin the workplace for you i think i think another way as well because we have that um you know sense of stigma towards the other person then both kind of opposing views don't ever get to know each other and mm-hmm. if we kind of discussed okay the your political views actually directly impacts our lives if they hear it from the from a lived experience maybe that would be a way of kind of you know i make them understand why why the opinion may be so it might has a, might have a huge effect on you mm-hmm. but if you kind of stay away okay they have this view and they don't they you know you feel that they're ignorant but you haven't actually talked to them and you haven't shared your experiences and they haven't humanized how their decisions affecting you so i think it's yeah. actually good to to spend time with people that oppose you because then you get to know understand them and they get to understand you that's Very a good true. point um, i'm oh, sorry go ahead, go ahead. i was just going to say i think the media plays a big part in this mm-hmm. um because we assume things about other people associated with parties straight away without mm-hmm. even knowing them yeah. and they will assume things about you as well just because of what you're affiliated with and that's all the stereotypes and that's all the propaganda and so on and mm-hmm. so i think 
we need to think away from the media, like Mariam said, and make them human and you're a human. It's easier said than done. Um, and I actually remember a teacher of mine said, she was like, two things I don't discuss with people. And she said, religion, religion and politics. politics. Yeah. So I get where they're coming from because you don't want to get in a sticky situation and so mm -hmm. on. But my final thought on that is you don't always have to fight for your right in like a workplace. Okay. You know, you can just respect someone else's views and they uh, hopefully they respect yours. I think maybe um, introducing kind of debating about such topics and discussing such topics at a younger age will help kind of remove those feelings, personal feelings towards another person. Do you see what I mean? So the idea of your political views represent you and your morals yeah. as a person, in a way, maybe it does. But for you to then have uh, animosity towards another person because of that, if you are used to discussing these types of things in a public situation and you're used to debating with another person and still get along with them afterwards, having that early introduction might enable you to navigate that easier later on in life and then open the floor for further discussions, um, which is basically what politics is based upon, right? It's discussions and people's views and then being able to work out what is the best for everyone. Ideally, that's what it should be. Yeah, that's a very good point you make and that brings back the... Whole idea introducing oh, it in exactly. schools a lot earlier. Bring politics into schools mm. at an earlier stage. Okay. Let us know about politics. Exactly. Um, in terms of accessibility towards young people, um, like you said, they gave out leaflets during political campaigns, these types of things. A lot of people would, we're in the age of entertainment in small chunks, right? Short form entertainment where it's like, yeah. it's like very, very quick, very, very easy. And I feel like nowadays um, our attention span is like that. I, I find it myself. If something isn't engaging me within the first few seconds, I'm going to click away from it. So in terms of informing ourselves when it comes to big election times or large campaigns, decisions that are going to affect everybody, they come out, political parties come out with huge manifestos, pages and pages of information. And let's be honest, no one's going to sit there and read through every single thing and think, okay, yeah, I agree with this policy or I agree with that policy or this is something that I don't agree with. No one's going to do that. Um, how do you think parties and government can make this information a bit more accessible to people? Um, they can make uh, posts on social media. I know we've touched on it before, but if we're talking about young people, naturally we're going to say social media mm -hmm. um and they can do it from a completely because like sometimes you can't trust just a normal layman layman on social media saying this is what they see on the manifesto i don't know if you've read the whole thing but mm -hmm. if it's coming from someone actually part of that party they can't lie mm -hmm. so they're going to tell well, they you shouldn't lie. <laughs> they shouldn't lie <laughs> but like as in they should reflect what's in the manifesto, manifesto and they would want to anyway because it's their manifesto so I think posts is a good way of doing it. Short clips, mm -hmm. like you said, short chunks. Um, and do you know what? I remember when COVID happened, the whole thing, and if you went on the .gov website, they had different formats of the same piece of information. Okay. Because I remember downloading it from my dad, who mm. can't really understand. Well, he can read English, but like a 20-page document on COVID, it's not going to get through to him. Um and they made it for schools and for children as well. And it mm -hmm. was just a very basic picture. This is what you need to do. Okay. So like, because there was always guidelines were always changing around COVID. So, so it was a similar that, approach to exactly. manifestos. And Absolutely. It's a great idea. Why not do that? Put it on the, whatever your official website is. So we know it's real as yeah. well. But just short chunks, like you said, use mm. pictures, please. I think right. the, um, just maybe a difficulty that could come that, can come out of that is the oversimplification of their manifesto mm. and it could be misconstrued to be interpreted in ways that it's not really portraying the truth so I think it's quite a difficult one um, but I do know MPs some MPs do use social media platforms so for example Zara Sultana she uses TikTok and she explains things um, another idea I kind of have is that uh, you know how there's like uh, PM, PMQs. Um, I was going to say that. Yeah, there's that. I think they should be. I think they should have that for specifically students. Specifically for young people. Yeah, specifically. Students, yeah. I think it should be for like sabbatical officers and universities, so student union elected representatives. And I think it should be across the whole country. All these sabbatical officers should come to parliament, and then they should ask questions to. Uh, you know, any candidate that, you know, you're going to represent us, this is our future. Because firstly, sabbatical officers are elected by the, the university students, so they're representing student views anyways. 
and then they can submit questions and then you know it can address and that way that will show that there's an engagement from young people and they would feel included um in this political landscape i think um on the other hand it should be open to not just sabbatical officers but actually anyone and everyone in, t- in that age bracket who wants to come and ask questions that way i know exactly what i want to ask and i know that i will get an answer um i think that is one easy way of streamlining the process for people because i know this political engagement is really really important and we should try and be able to take out the time to be involved but at the end of the day every single one of us do have a life to live we have other commitments we have things like that to do and so to have an allocated time where you can go in and ask all these questions and then come out with the answers mm-hmm. it streamlined the whole process i don't have to read the whole manifesto they've given me the answers that i want and if i'm not happy with it i can then further streamline myself by going online and researching on that particular topic do you see what i mean yeah i think logistically as well um you know people who are engaged will ask us questions mm. um but then it's that's not really reflective of everyone though. exactly so i feel like it and enab- by having an open floor it enables people who wouldn't usually be um involved to then have the opportunity to go sure. and get involved um so yeah i mean we've discussed quite a lot this is a very big topic um any last thoughts on this topic what are your kind of um tips and tricks get involved (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah why i guess lastly why is it important why should people be involved because it affects your life and it and you know we we should see that we're not individualistic society we're a community and you should make a decision based on that Okay, Sonia, what about you? I think I echo what Mariam said. We are a community and also it affects your daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, Your decisions can change the country. So please get informed, get reading. Yeah, I would say same thing as these two. Um, Everything that happens in this country is due to the votes of the people um, and the people that we put in power. Uh, If you don't agree with it, then you should go out and you should vote and make sure that your voice is heard as well. Um, also just being able to subscribe to kind of news apps, this type of thing, or go on, download BBC News or something like that, um, to kind of get a source of information. And then obviously if you feel that maybe they're putting through a certain view, you can do a bit more research and widen your... Just a quick your... one, um, your institution, especially if you're a student, a lot of the times it's free subscriptions, okay. so just go for that. Great stuff. <laughs> okay, we have loads of thoughts on this, but yeah, we are at the end of the show. So please do join us next week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.